I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we thank you for your word today. We believe it's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We thank you for the anointing that's in this place. And Father, I pray in Jesus' name that every word that is spoken, every example that is given, and Father, everything that is said will honor and glorify you. And so I step back so the Holy Spirit, who is the true teacher, will be heard through my voice. And I thank you for signs, miracles, and wonders following our lives as we line our lives up with your word. So I thank you for infusing us with faith that we never had, encourages, encouraging us in places we needed, and most of all, Father, giving us hope that we can live this life that is more than abundant through Jesus Christ. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Let everybody say amen. 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 God bless you. You may be seated. Today I'm starting a new series entitled The Soulcology of Money. Now just look at your neighbor and just look at him and say, he's about to talk about money. Now I'm going to ask you to do something that I probably have never done before. I'm going to ask you to try and forget about everything you have ever learned about money when it comes to the Word of God and the Bible and I want you to receive with a brand new heart and a brand new mind what I'm going to teach you. And I want you to absorb it as it is truth. And I'm going to come right out of the Bible. Now, as a pastor, I realize that the only way to have more faith about something or for something is to hear the word of God on it. And the only way that you and I are going to have faith for more money would be for me to talk about it. And because our church believes in tithing, just touch your neighbor and say, we believe in tithing. Because our church believes in the principle of tithing, which it means to give 10% of your income, I make a point every year to spend at least 10% of the year and talk about finances. And uh, there are 52 weeks in a, in a year, which means a tithe of that would be about 5.2 weeks. So anywhere between five to six weeks, uh, I will be discussing uh, things that are related financially to your life. And uh, the last time I've done a series on something like this was last February, not this past February, but February of 2014. So uh, we're past due on this. Look at your neighbor and say, we're past due. So the focus of this series is to biblically understand how money affects our soul and to learn how to reposition and renew our souls to prosper at new levels. Let me ask you a question. How many would like to prosper at a new level? Amen. And so the goal of this teaching is for us to become better stewards, better sowers, better savers, and wiser spenders. Everybody say, better stewards, better sowers, better savers, 
and wiser spenders. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to find 3 John 2. 3 John 2, all you have to do is go back to the book of Revelation, the last book in the Bible, and then you just move forward and you should find 3 John 2. And then the second verse I want you to look for is Genesis chapter 4, verses 1. 1 John, uh, 3 John 2, and then Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. On a recent survey that was done of 1,000 people, 76% of Americans, based on this survey, live from paycheck to paycheck. 53% of Christians have not given to their church in the last 30 days. And stats show that only 5% of Christians give a tithe or more to their church. Now, to make this data more personal, there are more people at Word of Truth Family Church who do not tithe than there are who do tithe. Now, just look at your neighbor and say, I tithe. What about you? Now look at them again and say, I hope you wasn't lying to me. <laughs> now here's a question that I want to open up with. Why is it that all of us who have accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, we've been born again of God's Spirit, and God's nature has been deposited on the inside of us, which is the nature of giving, why is it that most of us in this room are afraid to trust God with our money? Well, I believe the main reason this is the case is that the majority of believers, we're controlled by our soul when it comes to giving other than being led by our spirit. I'm going to say that again. When it comes to the giving of finances, the majority of believers are controlled by our soul instead of being led by our spirit. And because our souls haven't been renewed, then it makes us not seem to trust God like we need to on the financial side of our life and on the business side of our life because believe it or not, if you are a member of this church and you desire to have a business, you're going to have one. And if you already have a business and you are a member of this church, you're going to have one of the most successful businesses that you know of. Amen. Now in 3 John 2, watch what it says. It says, Beloved, I wish above all things, everybody say all things. I wish above all things that you may prosper, watch this now, and be in health even as your soul prospers. Now that tells me a couple of things. Number one, it tells me that it is the will of God and God's desire for me to prosper. God does not get glory out of me being broke. God does not get glory out of us financially struggling. Amen. I mean, would someone who's not saved look at your life and want to know God because of your lifestyle? He said, Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So watch this. My soul controls not only my prosperity, but it also affects my health. So what is my soul? If you've been with me long enough, you already know the definition, but I'm going to give you the definition anyway. If you want to write this down, you can. The soul consists of your mind, your will, your thoughts, and how you feel. Everybody say your mind, your will, your thoughts, and how you feel. That makes up the realm of a person's soul. Now, when you look the word prosper up in 3 John 2, it means to succeed in reaching. 
In other words, he's saying, beloved, I wish above all things that you succeed in reaching. In other words, if you have goals for your life, which you should, if you have financial goals for your life, which you should, God is saying he wants us to succeed in reaching those goals. That word uh, prosper also means to succeed in business affairs. Listen, if you are a uh, what the world calls an entrepreneur, then my term for you is a Christianpreneur. And if you are a Christianpreneur, guess what? God wants to be involved in your business as well. And so that word prosper means to succeed in business affairs. How many of you would like to succeed in your business affairs? Amen. And the word prosper also means, watch this now, to be led in an easy way. Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Listen, when we're going in the direction that God wants us to, it shouldn't always be a struggle. Amen. So let's read the definition into that verse. Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper, that you succeed in reaching, you succeed in business affairs, and you're led in an easy way, watch this, in your health, even as your soul, your mind, your will, your thoughts, and how you feel prospers. Now, write down Hebrews 12, 3, because this is what it says. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you and I be wearied and faint in our minds. The word minds there is the same word or the same Greek word for the word uh, soul over there in 3 John 2. So our minds are our souls. And that's where the struggle starts when it comes to money. It starts right here in our thinking. Can I get an amen? Our souls play a major role in the prosperity of our lives. Therefore, it is critical for us to upgrade our thinking to the next level. Everybody say, I need to upgrade my thinking. Now, most of us have a negative way of thinking financially. And it actually started, this cycle of thinking negative actually started in the Bible. And most people think that tithing, giving, offering, that was part of the law or that was the part of the Ten Commandments. But let me just say this. God's system and how he wanted us to give actually started in the first book of the Bible, Genesis. And it actually started with the first family that God put on the earth. So I only have one point. Say one point. I only have one point, and I challenge you today, I'm going to say some things, I'm going to read some scriptures, and look, you, you've heard the scriptures before, but you're not going to see some things the way I'm going to show you. Here's the first and only point that I want you to write down this morning. Tithing and giving offering was always God's plan to prosper man. I'm going to say this again. Tithing and giving offering was always, say always was always God's plan to prosper man. Go to Genesis 4, Genesis 4, and uh, I'm going to show you something that you probably never saw before. In Genesis 4, we're going to start in verse 1. It says, And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived, and she bore a son, Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. Verse 2, And she again bare his brother Abel. And Abel, listen to their occupations now, and Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground a what? An offering. If you have a physical Bible, I want you to underline or circle that. And if you have an iPad or an iPhone or a phone device, you can highlight an offering. 
Cain brought an offering to the Lord. Who did Cain bring this offering to? He brought it to the Lord. Look in verse 4. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings, and that word firstlings can be translated firstborn of his flock and, everybody say and. Now I want you to underline and because that word is going to be very important as we move forward. He not only brought the firstborn of his flock, but it says and of the fat thereof. Now let's just stop here before we keep reading. Because God had to have given some instructions on giving to him or they both would not have known to do it. I'm going to say that again. The only way I believe they both knew to bring something to God is because they did it, which means that God had to somehow uh, communicate some instructions to them. And the Lord, watch this now, had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering, he had not respect. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said to Cain, Cain, why are you mad? Why is your countenance fallen? In other words, why are you having a bad attitude? Verse 7. He says, if you will do well, then won't you not be accepted? But if you don't do well, watch this now. He says, sin lies at the door. Now, let's examine verse 4. Verse 4 said, Abel brought of the firstborn or the firstlings of his flock and the, and the fat thereof. Now, it said that God had respect. Say respect. God had respect for Abel's offering, but in verse 5, he did not have respect for Cain's. Now, just those two verses imply several things. Here's the first thing that those two verses imply, is that if they both were bringing something to give before God, they had to have been instructed to do so. In other words... When we read those two verses and they both brought something, they had to have been instructed to do something. Can you all see that on that? All right, let's look at the second thing that those two verses imply. It implies that if God had respect for one offering and did not have respect for the other offering, there had to be a known standard by which God was measuring them by and that he deemed acceptable or not acceptable. Did you get that? In other words, if God expected them to bring an offering, there had to be a standard because if there was not a standard, then he would have just accepted both, both offerings. So evidently, there was a standard. Everybody say a standard. And I believe it would be unfair of God to expect something from them that he had not communicated to them. Are you with me so far? Here's the third thing that I believe these two verses imply. And that is, if God had a standard that he expected them both to give by, then anything short of that is unacceptable. So watch this. So if God had a standard by which Cain and Abel were to give by, then there must be a standard for us today. Now I have a question for you. What was it about Abel's offering that made his accepted over Cain's? Because if there is a, an, a, an acceptable way to give and then there's an unacceptable way to give, then that means some of us in this room, when we come and we give online or when we come to church and we give on Sundays, some of us are giving offerings and tithes that are acceptable and some of us are not. Now, I don't know about you, 
But if God has outlined a standard by which he wants me to follow, then I believe that every time you obey God, blessings will follow. So I might as well do it uh, with his standard. Amen. Now, let's read verse 2 because it says, And again, she bare his brother Abel. Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering, say an offering. But then it says in verse 4, And Abel also brought of the firstborn of firstlings of his flock, and, say and, and of the fat thereof. You can just see right there without even looking up that they gave two different types of givings. Cain gave an offering, but Abel gave a firstborn offering along with some fat. Do y'all see that? All right. So watch this now. Why did God accept one and not the other? Well, it could not have been their occupations because God seemed to be more focused on what they gave and not what they did. In other words, everybody has different occupations. I don't believe that's what God focuses on. I believe what God focuses on is not what you do for a living, but what you do with the money when you make it. And it looks like Abel gave the first from his increase. Now, Watch this. I'm going to read Genesis 4 out of the Amplified. This is what it says. And Abel brought of the firstborn. Remember I told you that word firstlings can be translated firstborn. There it is. And Abel brought of the firstborn of his flock and of the fat portions. And the Lord had respect and regard for Abel and his offering. Now, check this out. Now, this event that we just read was also mentioned over in the New Testament. So write down Hebrews chapter 11, verses 4. I'm going to read it for you, but this is a reference to that story in the New Testament. It says, By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. See, that says right there to me that when you give with God's standard, it's going to take some faith. And see, at that point, Cain was not willing to give by faith, and Abel was. So one of the things that make uh, Abel's offering different is that Abel gave by faith. Everybody say, by faith. faith. Amen. It says that Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaks. I'm going to read that out of the Amplified. This is what it says. Prompted and actuated by faith, Abel brought God a better and more acceptable sacrifice than Cain because of which it was testified of him that he was righteous, that he was upright and right standing with God and God bore witness by accepting and acknowledging his gifts. And though he died, yet through the incident, he is still speaking. Amen. Now, I'm going to read some verses of Scripture that you have heard before, but there's going to be now a link between what we're reading and what we just read. In other words, there was one particular word that made Cain's offering different from Abel's, and that word was the word and. Remember, Cain only brought a what? An offering. But what did Abel bring? He brought a first fruit or firstborn and some fat. Amen. So listen to this. Malachi 3. I'm going to read verse 8. And let's see if we can recognize this in how God has set his system up. It says, will a man rob God? He says, yet you have robbed me. But you say, wherein have we robbed you? In tithes. Wow. Tithes and what? 
Okay, Proverbs chapter 3, we're going to read verses 9 and 10. Watch what it says in verse 9. Honor the Lord with your substance and, come on class, and with the what? First fruits of all your increase. Notice that this system has two things with it. Do y'all see that so far? Okay, let's read another verse. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 12. Deuteronomy 12. In verse 11, it says this. Then there shall be a place which the Lord your God shall choose to cause his name to, to, to dwell there. That's called the church. There shall you bring all that I command you. Your burnt offerings, your sacrifices. Watch this. Your tithes. Come on, class. And what? And your what? It says heave offering. Watch this. Do you know that word heave offerings in the Hebrew is the same Hebrew word for the word offering in Malachi 3.8? So what he was saying is bring your tithe and your offerings of your hand and all your choice vows. So watch this. So based on the scriptures, God has a standard that he requires when we give to him. That standard is called tithes and offerings. Do y'all see that? This started way before a church started. This started way before Moses came on the scene. This started way before Abraham got here. This was the first person. This was the first family. And if God started this out this way, what makes you think he feels different about it now? Now, this is why the context now of Malachi chapter 3 makes sense. I'm going to read Malachi 3 starting in verse 6 now, and we'll be able to see what happened. It says, I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. Even from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. He says, return unto me, and I will return unto you, says the Lord. But you said, how shall we return? He says, will a man rob God? He says, yet you have robbed me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In tithes and what? So we can see the first person who actually started getting away from giving God's way was who? Are y'all with me? Church, are y'all with me? The first person that actually started moving away from how God set the standard was actually Cain. And so now we can see what spirit we are of when we don't follow God's standard. Now, I'm going to share something with you that's going to be very, very, very challenging. God said something. Go back over to Genesis 4. This is not on my notes, but I just feel led to say this right now. Genesis uh, chapter 4. Uh, I want to read something that, that really sticks out. And uh, I'm going to say something here that may shock you. I believe that some people fall into sin unnecessarily because of their not giving to God the way they should. You say, well, Pastor, I don't know about that. Genesis 4, let's look now in verse 7. God said to Cain, if you do well, Cain, shall you not be accepted? But if you don't do well... What does it say? Sin lies at the door. Listen, you open your life up to sin that you never could have sinned if you just gave to God right. I believe when you give your tithe and your offering, it protects you from certain sins. 
That's strong right there, but listen. Now, I'm not saying it keeps you from sinning because, see, that's a choice. But Jesus, in his model prayer, he says, uh, God, uh, deliver me from evil. It says, uh, what's the one that says uh, by temptation, uh, deliver, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. I, I, I just believe when we tithe, there is a divine protection that comes on our life. And there are just certain, there are just certain temptations that don't even penetrate that hedge around me. Amen. So in Deuteronomy uh, 12, we saw that. So watch this now. You can see that when Malachi, he said, you've moved away. We've seen lots of people move away. So if God has a standard and we meet that standard, here's my question. Then what we give to God becomes acceptable. And if we give to God and it becomes acceptable, what's the benefit of it? It's blessing. I believe that God blesses children, his children, in a different way when they do things his way. How many of you have children? Let me see your hand. How many of you reward the, the child who obeys the most? You reward them. How many tend to not necessarily reward the ones that bad? You just meet the bare minimum for their life. In other words, you make sure they got breakfast. Make sure they got clothes on their back. They may not have no Jordans on. But, they, you know, they got some shoes. And In other words, I believe that when we do things God's way, it positions us to get God's best for our lives. And that's why the enemy fights so many Christians in our soul realm. See, what I'm trying to do this morning is to help you see that, that your soul can help you or hinder you from prospering. See, if, and, if, and, and the devil's smart. All he's trying to do is keep Cain's thinking inside of us. At the end of the day, guess what? It was God's breath that you were breathing that he allowed you to even work on that job. You know, I've seen people say, well, God, I'm struggling from tithing. Can you just, if you'll just bless me with a raise, I'll start tithing. They get the raise and they still don't tithe. You know why? Because it ain't about the money. It's about their heart, their soul. And this is going to be an uncomfortable subject. And, but here's what I believe. I believe God is trying to, to, to change our thinking. Because there are some of you here who have been a traditional tither. Say traditional tither. You've been a traditional tither and offering giver. But, you, it, but it has become so traditional to you that you have stopped doing it by faith. Well, you say, well, Pastor, how do I know if I stop doing it by faith? The, the moment you stop expecting God to do his part is the moment you stop doing it in faith. Oh, the world will try to tell you, well, you shouldn't be served to God. You know, you should give because God's got to do something for you. Well, not. He just told me I could. And go, go to Malachi. We're going to close right here. Go to Malachi 3. We'll close right here. God, and I'm going to cover this next week. I'm going to show you. What a blessed life looks like when we tithe and give offering. There's some blessings that come along with that, guys. God will bless the works of your hands. He will do some things that he don't do for other people. Let me tell you something. Uh, everybody who's been born again are all of God's kids. But I tell you what, some kids has more than others. 
You know, God can't trust some of us with that dime. Let me ask you a question. Let me show you how, how messed up our souls are. If I came to everybody in this room and I asked you to borrow a dime, would you let me borrow it or would you just give it to me? If you would just give it to me, raise your hand. Let me see. All right. Now, if you would make me borrow, raise your hand. Okay. I, we got one. She said, I'm going to make you borrow it. I'm praying for her tonight in my prayer life. <laughs> but think about it. We'll all be, some of us even walk by dimes on the ground. Let me show you how messed up our souls are. That's all God is asking for out of every dollar. He's only asking for a dime. Oh, so you would give me a dime. It wouldn't make me borrow, but God is asking you for a dime, and in that dime, he's going to bless you in return. You won't do that. It just shows where our souls are. And the devil makes those dimes look like they're huge dollars. That's his goal. He does not want you to do, watch this, to give based on God's standard. He don't want you to do that. And this is why some people say, well, I don't believe that tithing is for today. Well, listen, listen. Even if tithing wasn't for today, God still has to have a standard somewhere. Listen, he had a standard for salvation. He says, oh, okay, if you want to be saved, you have to confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God's raising from the dead. And once you do that, you shall be saved. You escape hell. We ain't got no problems with having a standard with salvation because we don't want to burn in the flames. I mean, listen, the world has standards. You probably had a standard to get the job you got. They say, okay, if you don't have this kind of education, you can't apply. Or if you want to be a policeman, you just can't go online and take a test and then be a robocop. It doesn't work like that. Everything in life has a standard. God has a standard. And what he wants us to know is if you will obey my standard, I will bless your life. Watch Malachi 3, and we're closing right here. Watch this now. Malachi chapter 3. I'm going to now read the latter part of Malachi that most people never focus on. And so this is going to be my focus from this point on. Watch this now in verse number, I think it's 10. He says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house. And here's the benefit of giving uh, God's standard. He says, if I will not open you the windows of heaven, say windows. It's not just one window. Windows of what? Of heaven. And then he says, when those windows are open... I will pour you out a what? A blessing. And he said that blessing will be so great, you won't have enough room. Now see, those blessings are just not dollars. No, no. God can give you an idea. He can give you multiple job offers. You can't take them all. I don't know which one to take. You now can, you qualify for new homes. You can buy 20 of them. Okay, which one should I buy? Notice he says now in verse 11. Not only he says, would I open the windows and pour out a blessing. He says, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. There is a devourer waiting to devour your life. And many of us, we have a wide open door to the devourer for our life. 
When you don't give God's way, the door is wide open. And we wonder why the devil is walking in and out of our life, in and out of our kids, in and out of our family, in and out of our marriage, because we have licensed him to do it. But God says, when you give my way, he says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he will not be able to destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before time, says the Lord. And then he says, everybody will call you blessed, and you will be a delightsome land. Man, listen, I, I met some people yesterday, and they, 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 they looked at me, they says, they asked me what I do. I said, I'm a pastor. They said, oh, so you are a man that represents God. I said, yes, I am. They said to me, well, I'm so glad you're here in my business because I believe my business will prosper because you came. Listen, if I can pray for a horse and bring that horse back to life, surely I can bless a business. I looked at that man. I said, uh, you have no clue what you're saying. I said, I believe when you treat a man of God right, that man of God has the right to bless you. And while I'm talking to him and all those words come out of my mouth, he had just moved to a new location. A lady opens up the door of the business. Now, the business was closed. First of all, he let me in and, I was, and it was closed already. The lady walks in. He says, oh, how you doing? They celebrate each other. She says, I'll be back. I said, who was that? He says, that was a customer of mine that I haven't seen in eight years. Here it is now. He has a customer he hadn't seen in eight years. Now revisits his, now his new place of business. When that happened, I said, see, that's because of me. Those scriptures that says everything your hands touch will prosper, wherever your feet will go, God will bless. See, those scriptures are connected to you giving God's standard. And because you've given his standard, uh, according to his standard, then all the blessings that come along with that come. And so watch this now. I'm preaching or teaching this series for people who, number one, have never trusted God at the tithing level for their life. I'm also teaching this for those of you who at one point trusted God with your finances by giving his way, but you've allowed some circumstances to hinder you from doing it. But this message is also for those of you who are currently tithing and giving God's way, but you've gotten weary and well-doing, and you're doing it, but your faith has dwindled. Your expectation has gone down. Well, let me say this. You get what you expect. Faith is the substance of things hoped or expected for. I want you to raise your faith today. That wherever you go and whatever you touch is blessed. And I believe today with every head bowed, every head bowed, I believe there are some people who need to recommit their financial life to the Lord. This series is going to bless you because I'm going to talk about managing of your, your finances. I'm going to give you systems that you may not have ever known of how to manage your financial life in a way that is not only pleasing to God, but that will prosper you as well. If you're here today, you say, Pastor Evan, I need to rededicate my financial life to the Lord. I haven't been given according to God's standard. But I'm going to make a decision today to do it because I understand what comes along with that. If that's you, 
I'm not going to ask you to fill out anything, but I want to pray for you because this is, a, this is a time that God is trying to all move us into the promised land. See, everybody who uh, left Egypt didn't get into the promised land. But I believe he wants us all to get into this promised land, this movement that he's about to do. And if you're here, you say, Pastor Evan, I haven't been tithing, but I want to rededicate my life to doing it today. Just raise your hand so I can pray for you. Raise your hand all over the place. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, I see your hands. Keep them up because I want to pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for those who have their hands raised. Thank you for the commitment that they're not making to me, but they're making to you. And I pray that every blessing that has been held up will begin to release even now. That, Father, the windows that are open will start pouring out blessings in their life. And I thank you that the enemy who's talking to them right now saying, oh, you don't want to do that, you don't want to do that. Lord, I thank you for the hedge of protection being high in their life and that the blessings of the Lord will begin to pour out. And I thank you that their eyes haven't seen, their ears haven't heard, neither has it entered into their hearts the blessings that you have in store for them. And I declare that over them now in Jesus' name. Amen. You can put your hand down. Every head still bowed. If you're here today, if you died right now, my question to you.